This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. Whether you're in a place right now, whether you want to subscribe to the News Tribune, which that would be cool, but totally understand if you're not. Or if you're just on a place where you want to put pressure on the, the local owner or the ownership of the local news outlet to, to be better and, and recognize us, I think that's where it starts. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. This week on Crossing Division, I am talking with three reporters from our lovely News Tribune here in Tacoma, Chase Hutchinson, Josephine Peterson, and Matt Driscoll. And they're going to tell us a little bit about, or maybe a lot about, efforts, McClatchy newspapers, and in particular, efforts to unionize at the News Tribune. So who wants to start with giving me kind of an overview of how this is is launching and what your time frame is? Uh, Chase and Josephine have been instrumental since the beginning. So I think this would be a good question for them to start on. Okay. Yeah. Josephine? So yeah, Chase and I can kind of tag team on this, but essentially this kind of... Uh, was a result of a very tumultuous summer. Um, there was a lot going on with our company um, around the beginning of the pandemic. McClatchy announced that they were filing for bankruptcy. And through that proceedings, we were kind of unsure about what the future of McClatchy looked like. It had always been a family owned company. And while, you know, there had been cuts and there had been disinvestment in our newsroom, we at least knew that it was owned by a family that believed in journalism. And so we weren't sure what the future looked like for us. And, um, you know, then our executive editor, Dale Phelps, um, left. Um, he, He was laid off. And that was a really tough hit for our newsroom. He's been there for 20 plus years. Um, I think he hired uh, Chase and I and Driscoll. I'm not sure if he hired you, but um, it was a a big loss for our newsroom. And Chase and I started having conversations with a few other folks about what we could do to save our newsroom. Um, Right now across the country, you're seeing a lot of change and throughout the pandemic, it's only heightened the type of loss that we're seeing. Um, You know, we've been fortunate enough to not have been uh, furloughed at any point in the pandemic. All of my friends at Gannett Papers um, have had to go on week long furloughs every month. And that's really tough to continue to serve the community. That's means a week of meetings, of council meetings, of news that's happening that on your beat that you're not covering. And then you're trying to play catch up the rest of those weeks. Um, so with all that going on, we started talking with some union, union reps and seeing what those options are. I mean, I am from Texas, so the word union has always kind of been bad. <laughs> and um, it was something that I was always kind of afraid of. And then I started seeing this 
movement in newsrooms to preserve themselves for the community and try and make that effort for journalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it kind of all came up organically. And since we started this process, it's just been such a collective force. Everyone has really been gung-ho about it. There hasn't really been a lot of pushback, which has been super great. Um, As Driscoll has pointed out that like we've had a hundred percent support in our newsroom and we're also, you know, unionizing with our sister papers at the Olympian, the Bellingham Herald and the Tri-Cities. So been great but chase do you have anything to add yeah i was just going to add that it it was very refreshing to connect with many of our colleagues at papers throughout the state not just the news tribune as well and having calls where the more i kind of began to talk with people they were like oh i was hoping this was what you were calling about and that's a very nice thing to hear when you're sometimes talking to someone that you've worked with on something but don't know a lot about them or don't know them super well, but we've really formed this common bond to support each other, which which was really good. We have a new um, Channel 253 members Slack channel um, that just started like yesterday. So I asked uh, people there what kind of questions that they had that, that they were curious about. And, and one of the questions was whether the recent sale of McClatchy facilitated this or whether it was already in the works before the sale. And it sounds like, Josephine, that the the sale may have kind of been part of the discussion, but it also sounds like, you know, with the changes in journalism, maybe you, maybe there had been some thinking down along this um, line all along. Yeah, I would say it was definitely a catalyst, but it's always been in the back of our minds. I know that the News Tribune used to have a union, um, but that ended when McClatchy bought them out. Um, and I mean, we're Chase and I are relatively young, we're millennials, and uh, we're all on the Twitter Twitter sphere. And you're just seeing paper after paper unionize. And it's been so great to kind of see this renaissance of interest in journalism. And there's been, that's kind of, I I see it as a pushback to all the people who are saying, this is fake news, that, you know, we're um, not worth investing in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've, I've, I've known for a year or so that this was something that I would like to be interested in, but um, I never thought that I would be helping to organize this in any effort, um, especially because I haven't been around as long as Chase or Matt. So mm-hmm. how many, is this a, a reporter only? Does the, um, would the bargaining it contain editors? Um, what would be the parameters of it? I can take that one. Um, Essentially, it would contain everyone that we could have it contain. Um, when it comes to editors, that first part of it, the answer is generally no, because they're considered part of management. And that's mm-hmm. kind of part of one of the basic things. The unfortunate thing is there aren't a whole lot of other people outside of reporters. Um, the News Tribune used to be printed in building, but more than a year ago, that shut down and we outsourced our printing and we lost a lot of good people there. There was a large amount of our advertising staff that was furloughed at the beginning of the pandemic, um, but we we would welcome anyone into it. And that was part of the reason we expanded to all four papers is that we didn't want to leave anyone behind in our efforts and that our collective coming together with as many of us as we can is where we're getting a lot of our strength. And how many people are there at the, at the News Tribune now who would be um, able to join this bargaining unit? 
Yeah, I'm not sure how many people at the News Tribune solely, but we have uh, 40 or so members across the four papers. Yeah, don't don't quote me on it, but I thought it was about 21 at the News Tribune and 38 across the the, the four papers. Um, and so what's the what's the process now? You know, you you obviously there's some strategic timing for making the announcement and getting it out there. And what happens next? Well, they voluntarily recognize us. And, okay. and is there is there a time frame for them to take that action? Um, I mean, I, I think we're hoping that it happens as fast as possible. Uh, I don't know if they're they're bound by any sort of uh, time length on there. And I know that we we filed uh, we filed our intentions and we filed our cards on the same day. So which, which also triggers the election. So if they don't uh, if they don't respond or they don't voluntarily recognize us, then we will go through the process of, of voting. And you know, like as already been pointed out, we have across the four papers uh, roughly ninety percent support in the News Tribune, one hundred percent one hundred percent. So we're we're definitely well above the threshold that we would need to, to make an election happen, but we're hoping that they'll just, as they have elsewhere across the country, they'll voluntarily recognize us and, and start negotiating. Mm-hmm. I was commenting to Chase before we started recording that my sense is from other newspapers like Crosscut and um, Seattle Times that the newspapers, the management did not immediately recognize that it, it took some time. Um, it, what do you think the flavor is out there for, um, newspaper unionization and and how it's going. Yeah, I'll take this one if if that's cool, and you guys can can chime in. I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think we watched the there was the the crosscut example where I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, the ownership there did uh, did force them to to actually have the election. Uh, I think we saw that with the Seattle Times digital journalists not long ago too. I don't think it was an instant uh, voluntary recognition. I can't remember whether they had to go to an election or not or where that process stands. Uh, but certainly, and this kind of takes me back to to some of your previous questions, which uh, I might, you know, it feels a little stupid, but uh, having been at the News Tribune for for six years now, compared to Chase and Josephine, I'm like the the, the old man in this conversation. So I have a slightly different perspective on it. Uh, you know, at, we've got this new owner right now. It's a it's a hedge fund. Uh, we don't. None of us know what to expect on that. And that's as Josephine has already spoken to. I think that's part of the reason that we're we're doing this is just the uncertainty of it. Um, you know, I think. Uh, we don't know what Chatham has in mind. Uh, we certainly know the history of uh, hedge fund ownership of, of, of newspapers in general. We know it's not good. We've seen what they've done at the Denver Post and otherwise. Uh, so, you know, we're certainly we're, we're wary of that. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we're bringing to the table here, whether it be the 37 and a half hour work week or the pay, the pay scales or the diversity in the newsroom, these are issues that predate uh, Chatham. These are issues that go back to McClatchy. You know, it's not like we have been, you know, McClatchy has been this sterling owner and all of a sudden we're bought by a, a hedge fund and we don't know. I mean, it has not been good for the last six years. We've watched countless journalists walk out the door, be it through layoffs, buyouts, or just journalists who didn't see a future in the paper anymore, and, and they left. And that, you know, that's just heartbreaking. So to kind of come full circle on that, you've seen Chatham, uh, the new ownership, the new McClatchy, and other instances this year voluntarily recognize unions. And I think that's in part because, you know, they, um, they're they trying to say, they, as they've said to us, that they value the importance of local journalism. Whether that's 
what ends up happening, we don't know. Uh, certainly, I think we all hope that that's the case, but I think this unionization effort is an effort on our part to uh, to get a seat at the table and have some collective say and some collective power in that. I think certainly when we hear the new owners, uh, when we see them voluntarily recognize unions, it gives us hope that they'll do the same here. Uh, when we hear them say that they value uh, local journalism and they wanna make investments in it, we certainly hope that's the case here. Uh, but we want to be a part of that and uh, we want to have a voice at the table and we want to have some power. And we think that's what unionization does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that um, some of our, the Channel 253 listeners had noted was just how, how vast the landscape has changed or, or how vast the change has been in the landscape over the last 10 or 20 years in, in journalism, local journalism in particular. Um, example uh, one person gave was that her dad was involved in journalism and reported on the aerospace industry. And there, you know, every paper had one, most of them had two or three people reporting on Boeing and aerospace. All of the, you know, television news channels had designated reporters. Um, and you just, you just don't see that anymore. Even though we have some industries, Boeing's not as, um, you know, core as it once was, but, you know, the tech industry is, is really significant. We, we just don't have that kind of specialization and depth that once was the case. And do you think this ever, do you think uh, forming union will, will help at all to kind of bolster up and, um, and rebuild some of that foundation of, of local news coverage? I think we certainly hope that our newsroom will grow through this effort. I mean, the more the merrier, all of us know how stretched we are. I think that that's kind of, that's across every profession it feels there's just been more work for everyone because there's been just such a condemnation of, of so many people's jobs. Um, so we definitely hope that that's what happens. We know that our new um, executive editor and publisher has said that she's going to try and make sure that we get an education reporter because right now, Allison, the city reporter and I are kind of tag teaming education and um, we would love to do more with that because there's so much to uncover. Um, but back to your point about how newsrooms used to look, I think that a lot of people, yes, I'm not saying that, that this is, that McClatchy's hands are free of this, mm -hmm. but there's kind of a misunderstanding of, of how uh, journalism is paid. Uh, so back in the day where this woman's father used to be a reporter, we got all of our money from ad revenue. And so, you know, we could sell the paper for pennies because what we were getting was ads back. And now there's not that type of uh, money in advertising anymore for us. And so we have, people have to pay for journalism now. And that's not something that people are really used to or feel like is worth the hassle because they can get their information and use air quotes because sometimes it's not real or accurate information because journalism is work. The truth isn't out there just like floating in the air for you to reach out and grab it. It takes work to uncover. And so, you know, yes, we do want more people in the newsroom. And yes, we do want to hold McClatchy accountable for providing that. We also, you know, want people to recognize that there, there is some give and take in this, that you do have to invest in your local newspaper. Mm -hmm. 
If I could just add to that real quickly, I mean, I don't think that any of us are sitting here uh, delusional about this. Mean what this means, you know? I mean, I don't think any of us think that you 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 file the union card and all of a sudden all the problems in journalism are are, are solved. Certainly, once the once the union is established and recognized, uh, the same the same as they like to say in the in the corporate speak, the same strong headwinds are going to exist, uh, you know, that are facing local journalism, and so. Uh, uh, I think it would be uh, it would be a bit naive to suggest that uh, you know it's going to go back to the way it was back in the day, whenever that was, um, because that's just not the case. And there's been so much change that's that's even beyond that. I mean, you look at the papers of you know back in the heyday, and you know how many reporters they had on how many beats. And the reality of it that is is what people have come to expect from a newspaper has changed, and, and what newspapers are have changed. So you know there are probably some some beats and some old positions that maybe it doesn't make sense for that to be at a newspaper anymore. Maybe that makes sense to, to, to be somewhere else. But certainly the core elements of, of what it means to cover a, a local community are things that we're hoping to reestablish. I mean, Josephine mentioned uh, the, an education reporter. I'm hopeful that, that, that our, we're trying to set up something similar to the Seattle Times Education Lab. I'm certainly hopeful that that comes across. You know, you mentioned Boeing and aerospace. Those probably wouldn't be the top two on my list. But, you know, we've got a port here, you know, it's not, you know, it's not getting a full-time coverage there, you know, thankfully through the report from America project, we got a reporter covering uh, military and JBLM. But prior to that, we didn't have anyone covering the military since Adam Ashton left. And, and that was years ago. And so I think it's kind of a, it's, it's a mixed response. No, I don't think that unionization and this effort is going to restore the news tribune to the, to the glory days of full parking lots and, and, and all like that. But yes, I, I mean, I think one of the, the key reasons we're doing this, there's all the, you know, there's the pay stuff, there's the work working conditions stuff. But I think the reason that all of us have done this and the reason that it has so much support and you see the support from the community is because that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it for the future of journalism in, in, in Tacoma, the future of local journalism and making sure that uh, we have the resources we need to cover it. I mean, we've got reporters now who... Um, probably can't afford to live in the, in the, in the areas they cover. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's unconscionable. And that's the kind of stuff we, we, we want to change. And yeah, I think that definitely involves more reporters, hopefully. Okay. Um, I had a question that just blew right out of my brain, which is not unusual these days. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say is, is this, I mean, so how do you, how do you make your case? Um, and I realize this isn't really the unionization issue. This is more the underlying, funding of journalism issue, but uh, how do you drum up more support if the ad revenues are no longer, no longer there? I, I mean, I, I've been watching the News Tribune, you know, we are a digital subscriber and I've watched for years as they're sort of, you know, trying to grapple with how to get the revenues in. But how do you do it? I mean, I, I really, I really don't know how you um, get people to pay for something that used to be free, even though it's so essential. And I'm, and I'm thinking, in particular, the articles that you have been running leading up to the, um, you know, the potential um, demolition of the, um, Pierce, the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department, which didn't in the final hour happen, but was certainly heading toward that. And I think, you know, that's something that would be of vital interest to most of the people who live here. And really, the only way you can find out what was going on was to read your articles. So yeah. what do you do to, to try to help make make it a fundamental thing that people are buying, just like they're buying a, 
you know, Disney Plus or a streaming service or additional things on their phones? Yeah, I mean, that's the million dollar question. Everyone wants to know how to make people understand that, you know, paying a month of, you know, paying a cup of coffee a month for journalism makes a huge difference. Um, I think some people have said that creating um, a newspaper that's a nonprofit Mm -hmm. is the best way to go. Um, Other people have said that, you know, creating kind of a think tank sort of way is, is, is better. There's different structures that you're seeing play out across the country. And I'm curious to see what happens, but on a local level, getting people to understand that information is not free, I think is critical. And because the information that you get for free usually comes with a price tag. It comes with a hidden agenda. And so if you do want that information that is as objective as we can try and make it, you know, we, we try and seek both sides and try and be fair and accurate with everything. I'm not objective at all, Josephine. Everyone (laughs) knows that. Come on. Uh, uh, We could probably get Pam Roach on this podcast. I was was immediately thinking of the fact of the handmaiden to Derek Young. Yeah. Blessed be the fruit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, that's kind of people need to rethink how we get our information. I'm seeing that change, at least with our generation, where people are saying that they're, you know, oh, I do pay for news. Mm-hmm. And, but there's that disconnect of people saying, I pay for news. I pay for the New York Times. I pay for news. Yeah. I pay for Washington Post. And it's like, that's great. I'm so glad that you support those larger entities that see, you know, different trends across the nation. But it's kind of like the same as elections I see as, as people are all gung ho about the presidential election and they come out every four years and they vote for the president. But the real change is what happens, you know, your city, your County council member can make more of a difference in your life than the president ever will. You know, they're the ones that decide, you know, whether you're the road that you take every morning gets paved. They're the ones that decide how many taxes you pay locally in your state. And so that's kind of the same as journalism is people need to kind of reshift how they focus and see that there is a need to kind of spotlight what's happening closer to home. Mm-hmm. In addition to, I would say sort of some basic fairness issues in terms of, um, you know, quality of your work life pay issues, um, hours of work, um, maybe just magnitude of work. What, benefits do you think the local area will see if your unionization effort is successful? I think one thing that I've been big on from the start is diversifying our newsroom to have it more accurately reflect the community, which it doesn't. There's there's no dancing around it. It's been a point of failure and something we can and should improve on. And it's something we will bring to the bargaining table um, because despite all of the public outcries, we haven't really seen that budge. And for me, it's something that I think is super important, not just from the right thing to do, but to make sure we're not missing things, to make sure that we're telling stories that don't get told. And I think it's something that journalists across the country have been reckoning with and newsrooms across the country have been reckoning with. And I think it's about time that we do as well. So that's one thing Mm -hmm. that for me has been a standout. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Let's take a quick quick break here and when we come back let's talk about sort of what um 
I guess what happens next um, if you don't get a voluntary recognition and then also what the local community can do to help support your efforts. Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. And I've been a member of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid, really. My parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big bank, it was from TAPCO, and I still have that too. What I appreciate about TAPCO is they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, TAPCO keeps its focus on Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach branches and ATMs in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use their online or mobile banking. To this day, TAPCO helps parents teach kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to TAPCO for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. Hi, we're back um, talking about the efforts by the News Tribune reporters to um, create a union, to unionize their staff. Before we get back into that, I just want to do a quick shout out to Channel 253. If you're not a member of Channel 253, highly recommend it. Um, it is only $4 a month or $40 a year. And just the other day, we launched a member-only Slack channel. And I got to tell you, if you want some inside poop on what's going on, that is a good place for you to check it out. Um, so do consider Channel 253 membership. Okay. Back to unionization. Uh, we're hoping for voluntary acceptance by McClatchy. We're demanding um, it. Think, just to, just to be demand, okay, demanding it. We're demanding demand. it. We're, yeah. Wanting it. Calling for it. We're calling, calling for, for it. Calling for it. Yes. Okay, very good. Much better verb. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned, one of you mentioned that they, McClatchy actually has done some recent um, acceptance of unionization. So where has this happened and, and how similar a situation is it to what we're looking at in Washington? I think it's be a great one for Chase. Okay, Chase. So at the Island Packet, they were one of the first ones this summer to to come forward and make their intentions known that they were unionizing, and they got voluntary recognition within a day. I, I checked that recently, and so that was a very encouraging response. And following that, Fort Worth also launched their own unionization effort, and that took a little bit longer. We're hoping that all of the delays that we're currently seeing are because they're trying to figure out logistics and we're not assuming any sort of bad intent, but we are expecting to hear something by next week. Mm -hmm. um, it would be lovely if after this podcast recording, we all log off and hear that they voluntarily recognized us. But no matter what happens, we're prepared for whatever outcome it is because we are going to do this no matter what. We just wanted the good faith engagement that we've been seeing elsewhere to be extended to us because we are no different than those papers. We are putting in the same work. We are doing the exact same jobs and we think it's worthy that we get the same treatment. Um, and we think it's productive for that to be something we focus on rather than potentially these companies, not only not recognizing us, but putting up a losing fight over who is considered part of the union because we've, we've done our due diligence. We know mm -hmm. this back and front 
what we needed to do, we've already done. We're just hoping to have them meet us at least halfway on this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in, in, in fairness, I think we're, we're two days in right now or, or two, mm-hmm. two and a half days. And I, I think you, you ask about the differences and, you know, I don't, I don't know all the specifics intimately, but I mean, what we're doing here is a, is a, is a pretty significant move. It's not one paper. It's an entire region. Uh, it's four papers. Um, and so uh, my guess is there are some, some additional logistics involved with that. And my guess is the, uh, you know, the powers that be in McClatchy are thinking about it and, and figuring out their, uh, their game plan. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, to give them credit, they would conclude that, you know, fighting it would be a losing proposition, uh, you know, whether it's in a state like Washington that has a history of union friendliness or just because, you know, there's the precedent set that they've already uh, voluntarily recognized others or just because they can look at the numbers and they can look at, uh, you know, who's who's filled up the cards and, and turned them in. And they know that, mm-hmm. you know, we know that we're working with the News Guild. We know what we're doing and, and we have the numbers. So like Chase said, hopefully, hopefully by next week um, and the sooner the better. Okay. I have, um, so one of our um, listeners had a question. It's kind of more of a technical question. Uh, and it was this, um, there are other unions at Seattle Times, Crosscut, et cetera. Curious about the technical rationale to have separate guilds or if they considered combining. And I don't really know anything. I don't know enough of the technical details of how you form a collective bargaining uh, unit. I'm actually in one uh, that formed a couple of years ago, but I don't actually know enough about the nuts and bolts to know um, what you have to have or or what you can have. But uh, tell us a little bit about how this union would sort of intersect with, if it does at all, other newspaper unions in our state. So I think that's a a really good question that that person asked Um, because there is a lot of camaraderie amongst unions However, it's a technical reason that we can't because there are different ownerships, different companies that own these different newspapers. Obviously, uh, McClatchy has a small stake in the Seattle Times, but there is other ownership at the Seattle Times at Crosscut. And we enjoy those people very much. I read their reporting as well. And I think they're a very good group and we do support each other in our unionization efforts, but the bargaining has to happen separately. Um, it is it is a purely logistical thing. It is not like we are opposed to the idea of supporting each other and having each other's backs, but it's it's very much a you have to be separate from each other to make sure that you can address the issues specific to your company and your bargaining unit and what you are going to be discussing for your own newspaper and your own company. We are all part of the same chapter. So the Pacific Northwest Guild has you know some administrative officers that oversee all of the papers that have unionized in the area and so there is some crossover and we do kind of you know through the pacific northwest guild we talk to other chairs other boards at other unions to see what's going on there and so there is like chase said a lot of camaraderie and crossover mm-hmm. that makes sense i mean the collective bargaining agreement is really a employment contract between the employer and the and the unionized employees so it it does need to be, you know, if you've got separate employers, you'd have separate agreements. And I mean, just real quickly, I think that's one of the powers of having all the four papers. And, you know, it's not just the News Tribune doing it. It's where we are, we are collecting with with all the, the McClatchy journalists in, in Washington. And I think there's, there's power in that. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Well, it could lead to even greater collaboration, too, if you have more, you know, sort of reduce whatever small barriers they might be between the offices. Um, what 
Well, I say start with this and then we can go wherever else you guys want to go. But um, what can the local community do to be supportive of your efforts? I think the biggest thing that we've seen is that a public campaign can make or break a union and making sure that people get out there and put pressure on McClatchy to recognize us and make sure that, that they are care and that it makes a difference to them, uh, makes a world of difference for us. Uh, for, we've seen, um, so there was kind of a bit of a big public backlash uh, over something that happened a few months ago. Um, McClatchy was considering paying raise or tying raises to how many page views your story gets. (laughs) And so that was something that was highly controversial and we wouldn't have known about it if the Sacramento Bee didn't have a union because they were sitting down at the table, McClatchy talking about this and seeing whether or not they would be okay with it. And when the Sacramento Bee Union found out that, uh, you know, they were going to go ahead with it, they were going to push for this, uh, the Sacramento Bee went public and made like this viral Twitter post saying, you know, you need to fight this back. And they saw such an uproar on Twitter that they kind of relented and let it go. So making sure that you get out and get your voice heard can make such a difference in whether or not McClatchy is willing to voluntarily recognize us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the answer is, it's really kind of tied to your, your previous question about, uh, you know, just the support for local journalism uh, in general. I mean, I think first and foremost, right now in this moment of time, what we need is to put pressure on McClatchy to recognize our union as fast as possible. So we can get to, uh, so we can get to bargaining and we can get to building, you know, uh, better journalism here in, in Tacoma and Pierce County. And I, I mean, I think it's also tied to just support for the paper in general. And I, you know, one of the things that has struck me since Wednesday uh, when we did go public with our unionization effort is just how many people have come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I support the News Tribune or, hey, you know, I've had issues with the News Tribune in the past, but I support this unionization effort because I see that this is about community journalism. So I think if McClatchy's smart, I think they can kind of, you know, they can, they can, we can work in tandem in this. I mean, we want what they say they want and people respond to that. People respond to uh, the need for community journalism. And, you know, you brought up the Department of Health debacle uh, or saga, I guess it didn't maybe turn into a debacle in the end, but it was damn close. Uh, But, uh, you know, when people, you're right, people knew about that because of Josephine's reporting. People knew about that because what was in the News Tribune. And when people realize that, if we're not here doing that, 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 that might go away. I think that can be terrifying. And so we need to remind them that that's the case. And look, like, you know, I interact with people all the time. I know there are a whole host of reasons why people have issues with the news tribune or might not want to uh, subscribe to it. And to be completely blunt, as Chase has already acknowledged, some of those reasons are completely legit. You know, our diversity in the newsroom sucks. Uh, the Ed Board has been all white for far too long until very recently. Uh, you know, the even, you know, you can talk about the ads or the autoplay. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why a person might not want to subscribe to the News Tribune and that I actually understand and I'm not going to fight back against. But the, I think the bottom line in this is... Um, 
the value of local journalism is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for this community. And so people can call on McClatchy to, uh, to, to recognize the union as fast as possible. And whether they're comfortable right now subscribing to it or not, or whether we have to win them back with the, in the future with, with, with some of the differences we make here, they need to tell McClatchy that they value local journalism. And that's something they would support if it was done right, done the way that it should be, done better than it is today. Because again, at the end of the day, that's what we all want. You know, people who say, I don't subscribe to the News Tribune now because you don't have as many reporters and can't cover as many things. I hear that. That sucks. I, you know, six years ago, I was here when the building was relatively kind of full. You know, now it's, now it's a handful. I totally understand where people are coming from that, with that. But, you know, I think whether you're in a place right now, whether you want to subscribe to the News Tribune, which that would be cool, but totally understand if you're not, or if you're just on a place where you want to put pressure on the, the local owner or the ownership of the local news outlet to, to be better and, and recognize us, I think that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this is a little bit off, um, just it had occurred to me earlier, but do you think there's any benefit to things like the Seattle Times is now trying a, a thing where you can only comment on stories if you're a subscriber? Do you think there's any benefit to trying something like that? I, I don't know. I mean, I think the people who are angry troll commenters are never going to subscribe and we're better off without them in the comment section anyway. So that's kind of I a think win-win. there's value in killing all comment section, but that's just me. I'll let the other two uh, respond to this. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I have never actually seen a discussion in the comment section that was value added. And even if there are decent comments, I've never seen anything that's value added. Well, this Maybe. is... T- yeah, this is tangential, but I mean, there are a few websites out there that that I actually do enjoy the the comments, and it, you know, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of moderation and all that kind of stuff, and I, I I get it. I am just naturally averse to comment sections, and I warn people every chance I get to stay the hell away from them. But the, but that's mm-hmm. just me. I wanted to share kind of a, a heartwarming example that we had kind of shared amongst union folks, where one of our colleagues had gotten a angry voicemail from someone directly who was not really taking objection to work they had done, but was turning it into a personal attack. And our colleague called them. And I think when there's that face-to-face interaction, our community knows that we're putting in the work and care about the work that we're doing. And if anyone ever wants to talk to me directly about that, I would be happy to do so. A comment in a, in a Facebook section doesn't have some of that same interaction. So I guess I would hope people would listen to us and get to know us and hear that we're committed to this this work and that we we are in here day in day out when it's when it's tough when it's challenging against some difficult circumstances but we we think it's important and that's why we want to do it mm-hmm. what else would you like to tell me about this or what else would you like to you know encourage our listeners to do um i think you had mentioned you know wanting to know what happens if we don't voluntarily recognize and So what happens next is an election is triggered. So we have filed with the federal government, the Labor Relations Board, to hold an election um, to say that we want to unionize. And so if they don't voluntarily recognize us, that means that we go through with the election. We have to get 50% plus one to win that election. And like Matt has said, we have had over 90% of people pledge across the four papers and 100% here in the News Tribune. And so once we win the election, then we go to the bargaining table. 
And for us, we have kind of, you know, that's where we go up against McClatchy's lawyers and we renegotiate every aspect of our working conditions. Um, and so, you know, for us, we're really all about making sure that every reporter's concerns are heard. We're going to send out surveys to make sure that everyone can, you know, prioritize what are your top concerns. Is it that 40-hour work week? Is it that 401k match? Is it about making sure that we have a building? Um, you know, what are <laughs> just <laughs> raising the roof? I was raising, I want that building, man. I'm not working for home forever. Not doing it. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are things that we're going to say are non-negotiable that we definitely are pushing for. And there are other things that we maybe slide on. So those are conversations that we still need to have right now. We're kind of still in the um, honeymoon phase of announcing and saying everything's great. And, you know, not saying the last few months haven't been work, but the real work begins, you know, one or two days a month when we're sitting down at that table with McClatchy and hashing out what our contracts look like. Yeah, I um, where I work, um, we have an uh, we have a union now for the attorneys, and and had never had one before. And one of the benefits that I see of it, and it's actually always been a really great place to work, so it hasn't been a significant. Um, it's not like you know it's a problem area, and we need a union, but it's such an incredible benefit to have someone who who you know is is your representative to talk to. So if you you can call up that person and say, I just want to do kind of a reality check, you know, this happened and I'm kind of feeling this way. And that's such a blessing because, you know, if you go to HR, first of all, I mean, the reality is, and our, I love HR people, but their job is to protect the interest of the employer of the organization. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you go to them and say, yeah, my coworkers kind of creeping me out, I don't think it's a big deal, but maybe it is. No, I mean, they, they have to launch an investigation immediately. If you go to your representative and can kind of talk through things, you just get a lot more um, options. Um, it's really valuable to have that neutral person who's in your corner um, who can be helpful to you. I mean, even in just the most minor things, I, I would say I, I don't think that people who are outside of a unionized environment realize um, how beneficial having a union can be, even in like, um, you know, taking care of problems before they even become problems. So it's um it's a much more it's it's a much more sort of involved environment than I think a lot of people realize. And it's a good thing. I was just gonna say that the the thing we've kind of taken away from all this is that there's only everything to gain and really nothing to lose. Getting a voice in these conversations can only help us from here forward. You go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I, I guess the, the only thing I would add just just for listeners is is kind of the, the context of it. I mean, we we've we've spent a lot of time talking about the 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 reasons we're doing this and you know the future of journalism in, in Tacoma. And I, I think it's important to kind of put this current fight in perspective. Like I can only speak for myself here, but I don't know if the future of journalism in Tacoma is hedge fund ownership. Personally, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt that what Tacoma needs is a uh, local journalism outlet owned by a hedge fund. But on the same time, my my the owners would say that they're committed to local journalism and that's what they want to do and they're ready to invest in it. Um, and so at the end of the day, this fight isn't about... Um, you know, the, the, the here and the now and what, what McClatchy is doing right now and whether McClatchy is something you want to support. What it's about is us collectively as journalists saying that 
local journalism in Tacoma and Pierce County has a value. And that's what we're doing right now. And that's what we're fighting for. Whatever comes down the road um, is, is fine. Uh, I don't know what that's going to be. And in the year two, two, 2020, it would be stupid to sit here and predict when we've already had a bankruptcy, uh, a hedge fund acquisition and a CEO leave and a CEO come, right? Like, I don't know what it's hold. hold. But right now, right here, these journalists at the News Tribune are saying we're fighting for the local journalism that's available in your area right now. And we want to do it and we want to do it better. So whether, you know, whether you agree with the hedge fund ownership model or not, let's not get kind of distracted by the big pictures and all the ifs and what's that may come in the future. Let's just kind of focus in on these are the local journalists that are doing the job in Tacoma and Pierce County right now. And this is them trying to come to come together and say, we want to continue doing this and we want to do it better. And we want you to help us make that happen. And so uh, I think that's kind of the rallying cry, at least for me, uh, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, again, I, I don't know what the future of journalism in Tacoma is, but I do know that everyone in those union meetings and everyone at the News Tribune is wholly committed to that. So that's what we're fighting for. That's great. Anything else, Chase or Josephine? I think Matt pretty much crushed it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how to follow that. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, are you guys available if people have questions for you? Can they reach you on uh, DMs on Twitter or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, folks, if you've got questions or you want to reach out to Chase, Josephine, and Matt, um, get a hold of them on Twitter. You can direct message them. That's how I got in touch with them initially to talk about coming to talk with us today. Thank you, guys. I, I hope we hear something positive. And um, if not, it's a process, right? I mean, you'll get through this and things will always be different, but they're definitely going to be better, I think. Definitely. All right. That's it for this week's uh, Crossing Division. If you have feedback, um, ideas for me, or suggestions for future episodes, you can reach me by email, truetacoma at gmail.com or on Twitter at true underscore Tacoma. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks Thank you. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.